Thank you for tuning in to the East Denali Baptist Church podcast, where you will hear messages that are challenging to you in your walk with Jesus every week. We're about to embark on the book of Acts, and, and we're going to read about some crazy things that God did on the planet for the start of the church, the birthing of the church, for the growing of the church, and for the advancement of the gospel through the church. And, and uh, sometimes I think we feel like it's all done. The stories like this, the story like what, stories like what's going on in this, in this room with your life um, are, are pictures of hope for you and for me that we have a God that's still active and alive and willing to, to love his creation and change and transform us. And I hope that you get excited when you hear stories like what you just heard uh, and that we can also understand and grow and learn that how you can be part of that. Because here's the interesting thing. As we get into the book of Acts, we're going to discover that the author of Acts writes back to one person in both his gospel called Luke and the book of Acts that we're going to be studying in. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, why I think that's a very unique part that we need to understand and know as Jesus' followers and his disciples today in 2019. So if you've got your Bibles, I hope you do. Uh, open, go ahead and open to the book of Acts, but stick your finger there because we never start in the same book, right? So, uh, and put your finger at Acts 1, but go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. <clears throat> and uh, I want us to think about a couple different things and we'll, we'll get it kicked off. You should have something around you on your row that looks like this. Hopefully there's enough around you for that. I have extras you can grab on the way out or you can take them off of a seat. But if you look for one of these and kind of have that ready, we'll talk about that in just a second and what that looks like and uh, why you have that in your hand. So, but we are excited to encourage everyone, ourselves included as a staff at East Nolly, to be able to uh, engage with God's word because God's given us his word so that we can be transformed and he wants you to engage with God's word uh, so that you can be transformed, so that we all collectively in Etowah and in Riceville, uh, scattered out wherever you may live in whatever subdivision or, or piece of the mountain that you live over here on Star Mountain that you live on or wherever you may live, uh, that you would be um, a disciple that is just eagerly learning and growing and ever transforming to look more like Jesus. That's my prayer for you. That's my prayer for me and my family. I want that to be the prayer for you. And I want us to start with this idea. I told you first, Thessalonians, hold there. I do want to read our, our, our purpose text or our focus text. And it's going to be on the screen here so you don't have to, to flip. The first slide here is Acts chapter 1, verse 1. And we may get through 1 and 2 all today. We may get to verse 3. We may touch verse 3 and come back and finish it all next week. This is what the word says in Acts chapter 1. It says this. In the first book, O Theophilus, I, dealt, I have dealt with all things that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to, his, to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Let's pray, then we're going to jump to 1 Thessalonians where your finger's at. God... Uh, as we kick off this uh, study of the book of Acts, Lord, I, I pray that we can see that this is really a study of, of us as a church. Uh, we, we will be able to determine and walk and understand that you started something 
many years ago for the purpose of you using people to get to 2019, and you also desire now to continue to use people known as your church to advance your gospel in 2019 way beyond until like the last of this verse that we just read, it says until your kingdom is fully established, is fully known, is fully recognized, is fully come to fruition, Lord. And Lord, I pray that we would be people that would be willing to engage with you in the mission that you have given us. So as we jump into today, Lord, give us ears to hear your word. Give us eyes to see the truth. And Lord, I, I pray that you send your Holy Spirit to illuminate the truths of your word so that we would follow hard after you every day of our lives. We ask this in your name. Amen. So here's what I want to do. The, the next slide is going to come up. It's going to have a question for you. I want to pose this, and this is going to go to the First Thessalonians with us, okay? Uh, what or how should we, how should we take this study of the book of, book of Acts? Or how should we take this thing that you hold in your hand that's around you that's called the East Denali Church Bible Engagement Plan, Act 1, okay? How, should, how can we take this, engage with God's Word and His Spirit, so that how should we, how should we approach this, Act 1? And, and you're going to hear more about that, this thing, as we go. Basically, what you have in your hand here is a Bible reading plan. And, I, and if you know me, you've heard me say, don't read the Bible, Right? But this is, a, this is a plan to engage the Bible uh, deeper than just simply reading it on surface level. It's a hope that you, your family, uh, we as a church, us as a community group that meets after service here in just a little bit, that we would be able to engage with God's Word together and that we can all grow in the understanding and knowledge of who Jesus is and what He's doing in and through His church back in th this day in Acts, but also in 2019. So in this, you're going to see... Uh, five days of, of planning, and it gives you two days to either dive deeper into these five days that you may have questions. Like when we have community group, one of the questions that I ask you all is, what? Is there a question that came out of the message? It, one, you didn't understand something I may have said or something I may have, have uh, uh, delved into. But two is, what questions came into your mind, into your heart that you want to explore deeper? So when you engage God's Word, instead of just read it, if you just read it, you probably won't have that question that you want to dive deeper into something. But if, but if you really engage with, with God through His Word and with His Spirit, He probably will give you a question that you need to dive into deeper. You need to ask more questions of the text, right? You may need to understand something a little bit more because you've never thought about that particular aspect of the story. Uh, or something like that. So you, you may take your extra two days to just dive in deeper to these things. Or you may be reading another book. Or you may be reading something else. Or you may want to get into another book study as well. That you, in your own personal walk that you've been going through. So we wanted to leave you some freedom to do whatever you wanted on that. But I would love for us as a campus here. And for you as families to engage with this uh, as much as possible. And see what God does over this. So what you have in your hand is 19 weeks. Uh, of a plan that you, you can walk down. Now, Monday, you're going to look on here, you're going to see that uh, I have directed you to spend a lot of time in the Psalms. Okay, the Psalms, uh, you've got a little explanation there on the top page of that, what Psalms are. They're songs that the, the people of Israel would sing that, they, that would remind them of what God has done about who God is. And it pointed them and it birthed in them and it rejuvenated them and it refueled them to, refueled them to have a heart to truly worship God. 
And so I want us to nurture our desire to worship God. So it's not, and remember, what we just did through music is one avenue of worship, but our whole life should be a lifestyle and a response to God for who He is and what He's done. So as you, as you read the Psalms, go through there. So you got one, Psalm 1, but then you also have a, a small section of Psalm 119. If you are stuck in a rut, listen to me, if you feel like you are stuck in a rut in your spiritual walk, let me encourage you, engage with this whole plan, but engage heavily with Psalm 119. As you read eight, eight verses a day, really think about that. Really pray about that. Let the Spirit just, just wash over you and teach you through that Psalm. Psalm 1, which we preached two weeks ago, right? So we've delved into it pretty good. Uh, but I want you to go back and reread it because on your own, you, God's going to show you something else. But then get into Psalm 119. So Psalms on Monday and Psalms are going to be on Thursday. Okay, so you're going to have a lot of the Psalms that we'll read over the next 19 weeks together. Okay, so Tuesday and Wednesday, you're going to dive into the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. Now, I know what you're thinking. Bo, I thought we're studying Acts. Well, we are, <laughs> uh, but there's some reasons for all this, because if you just study one part of God's word, let me tell you, if you isolate it, completely by itself. You can do this. This is the danger. That's why verses are misquoted day in and day out. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Doesn't mean, all right, listen, it doesn't mean that you can, um, you can score a touchdown at will. It doesn't mean that every time you get to the plate, you're going to hit a home run. It doesn't mean that your marriage is always going to look great and have roses. It does mean what Paul said in that statement, I can do all things through Christ, is it was a man that was in shackles in the bottom dungeon of a, of a jail cell that had feces falling on him. What he said was, I am a man that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can persevere through this crappy life. Is that a good way to say it? Yeah. I can persevere in the faith. I can continue on no matter what. The devil, what the world system, what sinful act I have taken, the consequence I got to deal with through that, I still can persevere. I can do all things through Christ. I can persevere and endure to the end because of Jesus. It doesn't mean that you're going to have everything great in this life and in your own strength you can achieve whatever you want. It doesn't mean that if you set your mind to it, this is pop psychology at its best, you set your mind to it and you can go after it and you give all your strength, all your energy, all your effort, guess what, you're, you're not going to always get the perfect job. That's not what I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because I'm a believer in Christ. He's going to give me the ability to have the best job I've ever wanted. Now, I'm not talking about don't dream, don't pray, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say this, unless we couch that in the right context, you're going to misuse God's word and you're going to abuse what the Holy Spirit desire in your life wants to be, which is to shape you to look like Jesus in all situations of life. And so as you read this, and as we read understanding that Luke is the author of both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, it's good to study them together. It's good to dive into them together. So as you read Acts, don't, or any book, don't isolate it to the verse or just to the chapter, or just to the book, but take the entire book in context of the Bible. Because we've got to have, uh, or else you're, you're, you're at a danger to, to misinterpret something, to, uh, to abuse something at a greater expense that's maybe a, not, not used in that way. Does that make sense? So, so that's to help guard us with that. So we're going to study Luke alongside of Acts, and we're going to go really slow through Acts. Can you pull that back just a hair? Uh, we're going to go really slow through the book of Acts 
so that we can really dive in both to the message and, and our study of it. Uh, that's what we're studying deepest. So why, you're only going to have one day in Acts on Friday. One day in Acts. We're going to go through it really slow, and uh, hopefully it will be a help there. But let me encourage you. There's also verses to memorize on the right side of each day. It's the same verse. So don't feel like there's one for every day of the week. It's the same one for the whole week. Uh, so, but let me, let me encourage you. Get this. Engage with that. I've made it to where it can fit right, nice and neat in your Bible. But how should we take this Act 1 journey together? Let me give you a couple things, just a warning uh, that the next slide is going to help us understand. First one thing that I want us not to do when we study the Bible, and especially this journey uh, through, through Act 1, is don't approach it like it's cold academics. This is what I mean by this. It's not all about knowledge. History. Who loves history? Anybody? We got a couple that love history. Okay, when you love history, sometimes it's, it's easy to get all the dates right to sometimes it's easy to get all the people's names to attach the right date and the right city and the right era that it was in, and you can miss a lot of the undertones of what's, what truly is happening in history. The book of Acts is a book of history. It's the history of us as a church. It's our history. Okay? Somebody may ask you, how old is your church? Well, you can, well, you can say this year, East Denali is how many years old? 200, right? East Nolly Edwards, is how many old? Actually, we just turned three, and I forgot to tell y'all happy birthday. Two weeks ago was our birthday, so we just turned three years old here in Etowah. And so, but really, if we want to be accurate, we have a heritage all the way back to Acts chapter 2. Okay? So we're thousands of years old. Okay? Well, not thousands. We're not 2,000s yet, but we're, yeah, we're, well, we're getting, coming up on 2,000 years old as a church. Okay? So that's our history. Okay, from Acts chapter 2, when, the, when Pentecost came and the church was established and birthed that we're going to learn about and we're going to study together, that's the history of our church. And so as we read history, don't take it as cold academics where you've got to get all the dates right. It's going to be helpful. You can put a timeline together. It's going to be helpful that you have the right name at the right place at the right time and understand all that. All that's helpful. But cold academics is all what? Pass the test regurgitate the information. There's nothing underneath that's more valuable than just the, the details. You with me? Okay, so, so you, we need to learn the facts. We need to learn the academic side. We need to throw some effort to that, but don't let it be cold because here's what we're going to discover. The book of Acts is anything but cold. Okay? For these guys up here, it's lit. Now, everybody else don't understand that, right? <laughs> uh, it's on fire. It's hot. It's exciting. Okay? It's combustible. All right, <laughs> it, it, it's pretty f uh, uh, fabulous once we get in, okay? But don't let it just be a cold academic routine is what I'm saying, okay? Second thing is this, is don't treat it like you're the casual audience. Don't be a casual audience member. Here's the thing, church, look at me. It's easy to come in here and casually listen but never engage with the Holy Spirit or with Jesus in this room and you will leave every Sunday and not be changed, that's one of the problems with the American church and wh why we're powerless is we are an audience that we just casually watch what God's done historically, what God's doing now, and what God wants to do in the future, and we just casually watch. We're a spectator. We're up in the crowd. We may even cheer on at times. Yeah! Go Jesus! Woo! And we never truly engage. That's why I say don't simply read the Word. 
engage with it, okay? Don't simply read the Word, but meditate and memorize it so that it will memorize and meditate you to the point that you, you are changed and transformed for the glory of God, okay? So, so don't just be an audience where you're just looking in and you're not discovering what your, your position in the story is or how God wants to change and transform you. Don't, don't just treat it as a cold academic thing that you're just watching from a distance, but in truly engage. Remember, these are real people in real time, just like you and I are real people in real time in here. It's historical narrative is the type of book the book of Acts is. Okay, The Gospels are the same thing. It's story. It's, it's historical truths that we can understand and grow and understand. It's real people in real time, real accounts, not just fables that we learned a, a principle or a, a good thing to be in, in life from. Okay, does that make sense? So don't be a cold academic or don't be a casual audience member that you're just watching from a distance. Okay, engage with what's going on. Okay, the last one's this. How can we, or how should we take this journey through Act 1? The last one is this. But like committed athletes, don't be a casual, cold academic student. Don't be a casual audience member, but be a committed athlete. Now, here's what we're going to do. Today, we're going to journey through the athlete's journey to a game. Okay? So I need to make a bridge. I need to connect Luke to Acts for us today and be a bridge builder for us. But I'm going to use an analogy because all the stars are finally aligned again in the world. Did y'all know this? Like, like for the first time since last uh, February-ish, the stars and the planets are in their proper order and they're in the right place because football season is here. All right? And so, well, I'm going to use, I, I'm an old football player, I'm an old football coach, I, I, I think a lot of time in illustrations, I want to go through Luke and some other Gospels, because it's unique what Luke records and some things like that, and what some other uh, uh, Gospel authors record, but I want to bridge Luke to Acts for us, okay, and I want to use a picture that I, th I think we can all understand and, and agree with or be able to do this and figure it out. But if we approach this Act 1, these next 19 weeks, just give it 19 weeks, okay? If we approach Act 1 as a committed athlete, we're going to understand that the church began at Acts 2, but everything was set up way before that. Jesus had working the master, the coach's plan, the father, if you will, and was working a, a, a play out from the beginning and practicing and, and had pre-camp and all these other things going on so that when Acts 2 hits, we're hitting the game running. But there's actually a pre-game that happened because right now, last night, we watched the Titans get beat by the Patriots. Sorry. Uh, but it's a preseason game. It really doesn't count, right? That's why their starters didn't play. Brady didn't even get in the game, I don't believe. So, so here's the thing. We, if we approach this as committed athletes, then we will be an athlete that is willing. Now listen, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. We're willing to beat our body and make our body our slave. Our, uh, we make it submit to us and to our direction, to our, our authority as, as its head, as the, body of, as the head of the body. If we do that, and we commit that we run the race as one to win. Committed athletes win. Or at least they're in the finals. Or at least they're, they're, they're improving. Okay, Committed athletes do. If you're just an audience member, guess what you have? You have the jersey. And you may be sitting on the end of the, be uh, end of the bench on the team, but you're just an audience member. You're still just an audience member. 
You're just sitting there watching as a casual attendee of the game, and you're not really plugged in and engaged with what God wants to do in and through you, and you're missing out on the joy of the journey, okay? I don't want anybody in this room to miss out on the joy of the journey. I want us to take this journey together. And so we're going to talk about what all that looks like, maybe to, as it unfolds, to be a committed athlete. So let's look at this, and let's go a little bit further. Here's, here's, here's what it takes to get to a game. Next slide. It says this. There's some, there's some action steps to get to the game. We just had high school football yesterday, Jamboree, some things happening like that. And to get to the Jamboree game or to get to uh, college football kicking off or even uh, any game that's going to kick off, you have these things that come in place. So you have for, for, for uh, football, I'm going to relate to it because that's what I prayed, played primarily, but you have fall camp. When fall camp hits, summer's over. Hopefully in summer you've done some lifting and some running. Hopefully, not all players on the team do that, I'm just saying, um, especially the running part. We like to get in the weight room and lift, but the running part is a little bit harder. But fall camp pits, it's game on, right? It, it's, it's focus, and you're going a certain direction. And then after fall camp's over, and you got game week, you get through practice week, and fall camp and practice week's over, practice is over, you have what, what we call pregame, okay? So that's when you go out, and you get stretched up, and you come back in, you have the talk with the coaches, all right, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Then you have the first half that you play. You go out and kick off and you hit and you, you tackle and you kick and, all, and hopefully you don't glorify soccer by having all field goals. You want to score a touchdown from time to time. And y'all get that next week if you catch it. Uh, but, but you play the first half. At halftime, you come back in, you kind of rehydrate, you get some liquids in you. Uh, hopefully, you don't have to have an IV or anything like that, and you don't have to get taped up. But then you get the, the next talk from the coaches. They make adjustments, right? They, they, they see what the opponent's doing and see what we can do better as a team, and they make adjustments, and then you go back out and play the second half, and then game over, right? So that's kind of the general flow, if you will, and that's how I'll talk about this as we go a little bit more. Let's look at this. Let's go to, we've read, so, uh, oh, sorry, let's not, not, don't flip that switch. I have you in 1 Thessalonians, and I haven't told you why we're in 1 Thessalonians yet. Look at that with me. This goes back to what we ought to be, or how I want us, or we should approach Act 1, and why we don't want to be just academic or just a member in the audience, but we want to be a committed athlete. What's it look like to be a committed athlete? Look at Psalm, or 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 4. Chapter 1 and verse 4. You have Paul, which we're going to learn a lot about Paul coming through the book of Acts, okay? We're going to see his conversion. We're going to see how, how God used him to be a, a missionary that planted a lot of churches. This is one of the churches that he planted. This is what he said. He's talking to the church in Thessalonica, and this is what he said. For we know, brothers, loved by God. We know people who, who have been loved by God and who are actively loving God. We know this, that he chose you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. Here's three things I think we see here in this that will help us if we take the same approach as Paul and his team of missionaries took with the church in Thessalonica. If we take the same approach, I think over the next 19 weeks, God's going to use us as East Nali Etowah to impact our community, the people that are around you throughout the week, and we're going to see him do some pretty interesting things. Here's what we see. We see the first thing he says, well, you know we didn't come because our gospel came to you not only in the word. We bring the Logos. We bring the word to the table. 
We center everything around the Word. We brought the Word. If you bring, if you are a committed athlete, the way that we're going to talk about it, like Paul was in his missionary team, he was committed to the Word of God to take the Word of God and give the Word of God to somebody else. He, was, he came with you with the gospel according to the Word of the gospel. We have to be centered on the Word. You with me? It has to be part of our lives. So over the next 19 weeks, what's the purpose of this? To help center us on the Word of God so that we can take the Word of God to somebody else because the gospel came to us because it's going to somebody else, right? The gospel came to you and me because it's going to somebody else. The second thing we see here with Paul is that not only the Word of God we brought to you and we gave to you, but we also came with power. The protoss. Okay? We came with power. We not only came with the word, the logos, but we came with, with the power, the protos. We came with the power of the Holy Spirit. We came in with power that changes. We didn't come with some vain truth, some vain story that's not going to produce anything in anybody. See, when we're centered on the word, we believe the word, and we know that the word changes people. If we're not centered on the word, we don't believe the word, and we know that we're trying to act in our own power, guess what that does? It changes nobody. We stay centered on the Word. So that's one reason for this engagement plan. The third thing we see here that Paul says, we not only came with the gospel, the Word, but we also came with the power of the Holy Spirit that gave us full conviction, right? But we came, this is the last thing, you know what kind of men that we proved to be among you. You came with integrity. He came with character. What did we talk about last week with Uriah? Uriah's integrity and character was better, now get this, was better as a drunk man than David's integrity and character as a sober man. Now, I'm not encouraging everybody to go out and get drunk and check your character and your integrity. What I am saying is, Uriah had integrity and character. Paul in Thessalonica had character and integrity. And that, what is that, what's the word say? You know what kind of men we proved to be. Why? Because we lived life with you and you knew us. And we knew you, but better, act, better than that, you knew us. You knew what got us driving in the morning. You knew what woke us up and what we were passionate about. You knew what the truth and the core of who we are, that we are centered on the Word. We're people that are centered on the gospel of Jesus. And we're going to give the gospel to you, but we're not just going to say it. Guess what? Our deeds and our actions are going to match what we're saying. You with me? A committed athlete puts in the work in the Word, so that they can give the Word, so that the Word will transform somebody else, and their life is going to live the Word out. They're not just up in the audience saying, yes, I'm on Team Jesus. Woo! They're going to be engaged with what King Jesus is doing. So with all that said, let's go to, first, uh, let's go to the first book, or first chapter of Acts. And where we are. And we need to flip also to the first chapter of Luke. Because again, I'm telling, I told you I want to build a bridge between the two books that Luke wrote. Now Luke was a doctor. You may know this, you may not. Luke was a doctor. We'll cover a couple things here. I encourage you to make some notes as maybe you go uh, every week. I encourage you to do that and maybe go back and look at them. But Luke's a doctor. Luke is a, a Gentile doctor, so he's not Jewish. We know that from a couple of places. We don't know a whole lot about Luke. He's only in three, three places in Scripture as far as where he's mentioned in a group or something. And we don't know a whole lot outside of that except for he's, he's, he's a man that took care of physical needs. 
He, he took care of Paul and his ailments. He took care of, of uh, he was a, uh, from his doctor's side. And that made him also, if you know a doctor, typically doctors are very detailed people, right? I don't want an undetailed doctor working on me. You know what I mean? I want to make sure they know what they're talking about, make sure they're attentive to the details of what's happening in my body that's making me feel bad, and I want somebody that's going to take the detail to give me the right medicine to tell, help me get better, right? So, so we know that about doctors. So he's very detailed. That's why it's great, and I think why God used him to cover the, book, the gospel of Luke, but also to cover the, histor the hist history of the church, the historical truths of the, of the church being un unfolded. I think that's why he did that. But look at... Uh, Luke chapter 1. That's going to come up on the screen, maybe if you got it on your, in your copy as well. But I want us to look at this. Luke chapter 1 says this, in the very first uh, of the book. So it says this, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good for me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus. So he's writing to a person named Theophilus, okay? Now, at the end it says this. Why is he writing? That you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. All right, so this is Fall Camp. All right, fall camps in, in order right here. This is a picture of, of the training that goes into place of, in the, of anything before the, the game week hits. Fall camp is, is miserable if you've been through fall camp. If you ever had the chance to go through college fall camp, it's even more miserable because nobody's on campus. It's scorching hot, and, and you, you have three practices. You have three meetings, and, and then you still have a workout in there. <laughs> it's crazy, and, and, and you're, you're there all day, right? And so, so fall camp is, uh, can be very miserable. What, what we see here is Paul has engaged with a man named Theophilus. Now, who's Theophilus? Theophilus is, uh, uh, if you look at how, Paul, or, or how Luke refers to him in verse 3, it says, most excellent Theophilus. Now, that's a, a weird way to call just somebody in the community that that's, has no authority or no status or no position. When you say, I don't see anybody walking around saying, hey, most excellent beau, won't you come to lunch with me today? That's not happening, and I don't want that to happen, one, okay? So, uh, but what we see here, just simply with this word, most excellent, in front of his name, Theophilus, we understand that this is a Gentile guy that is now, he's a person in, in position, he, he probably is some, we don't know exactly, but we know that, that Luke has had some type of relationship with him, that he's engaged this, maybe a politician, maybe a person in government, maybe, maybe just somebody in some power that has uh, 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 recognition across the, the, the landscape, so to speak, and he engages with him, and he shows respect simply by saying, most excellent Theophilus. So this is a man in the community that has some power, and Paul, uh, Paul, Luke has this relationship with him. So here's what I want us to understand. Luke is already following the ways of Jesus because he is already engaged with a man that's a Gentile. He's already engaged in life with a man that's outside the Jewish customs and Jewish culture and somebody that is needing to understand the truth of the gospel of Jesus and he has said that I'm writing these things in an orderly account so that you, Theophilus, 
friend of mine that maybe we've had coffee around the, uh, the coffee table at some point or maybe we sat out by the well under the tree and we've talked about life and what it means or maybe we went down and we went fishing at some point or maybe we, we played cards around the dinner table with our, with our families. Maybe we've lived life to the point that now I want to make sure that my brother Theophilus fully understands what it is he's learned from me as a follower of Jesus. What it is that he's learned from the gospel. You with me? So you see discipleship happening between Luke and Theophilus. And he writes a gospel that makes it into the, the Bible. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit completely. And he writes this so that what? So that my friend Theophilus can have an accurate, orderly account of what Jesus' life was like. And so that he can be certain of what he's learned from me. You with me? You hear what I'm saying? We ought to engage life with each other as a church and with somebody in our community the same way Luke has engaged with Theophilus. Why? Because we've been given the greatest story ever. And we should ought to want to give that to somebody else because gospel came to us because it's going to somebody else. Look at this next slide. We're still in fall camp here. So as you read through Luke, uh, as you do this, this is kind of an outline of Luke for you. This is uh, what had Theophilus learned that maybe that he needs to be confident in. Okay, that's a question. Again, if the text drives you to a question, find out what the answer to that question is. Hopefully, the text drives us to more and deeper and deeper questions. He, he was reminding Theophilus to be confident in the gospel of Jesus. Through the book of Luke, you're going to see Jesus' journey from heaven to earth. You can see his birth, how he was born, what family type of family he was born into, his growing up years. You're going to see a lot of these type of things. And isn't it interesting, the very first thing that the doctor, Dr. Luke puts in the book is a story of the birth, a medical situation, right? He puts, in the, puts into play uh, the, the birth of Jesus, make sure that we understand how the birth went down, why it went down the way it did, all those type of things, and how it was all for the glory of God in the middle of that, st that story. And so uh, Dr. Luke starts that, and he, he uh, talks about the journey from heaven uh, to earth in the, the first four chapters, roughly. He talks about the journey of how Jesus ministered throughout the Galilee in the next uh, four or five chapters, from four, chapter 4 to chapter 9. And then chapters 9 through 19, you're going to see Jesus' journey back to Jerusalem. And then you're going to see the journey of ministry in Jerusalem. Now, here's the interesting thing with Luke. Luke starts and stops in Jerusalem, the Gospel of Luke. His story starts in Jerusalem, and it journeys away, and then it comes back home. Okay, so keep that in mind. I'm going to give you some tidbits. I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I want you to engage with God's Word and you, you discover this on your own. But he starts and stops in, in Jerusalem. The other thing with this particular story uh, of Luke in, in, the, in the fall camp is that he starts and stops in Jerusalem, but he stops the story abruptly. I mean, if, when you get to the end of Luke, you're like, what's next? It's like a Clifford. It's like the movie. Have anybody seen Dear John? Like, it stops. It's like weird. I'm like, why? we got to finish this story. Do they get married? I'm kind of a hopeless romantic. I like to know the full story. Like, they, had, they got married and had five kids, and, and life was great, right? I want to know all that. Well, they stops. They kind of look at each other through the window, and he keeps walking. I'm like, okay. They're both alive. They both know each other's around. I'm like, what's the rest of the story? Luke kind of ends that way. And here's the reason. Because from Luke, the gospel of Luke, to the book of Acts... It's a nonstop scroll. There was no uh, scroll of Luke and scroll of Acts. It was one account that was, would have been like, roll it on out, brother. Tell me the rest of the story, okay? Uh, his story 
even though it, when I say the, the scroll goes on, uh, it was because there's one story to one man that kept going. He stopped it and gave that to him, and then he gave him more. In my first and my second account that I gave you, it's, it's one story. So Luke insisted or, or intended for the story to continue, not stop, even though it seems like it stopped really awkwardly in the end of Acts. So here's what I see. Pre-game, all right? So we have fall camp. Luke's rolled out in fall camp. We saw the Jesus training the, his disciples all the way through the book of Luke, all the way through Matthew, Mark, and John as well. He's training them. He's discipling them. He's practicing with them. He's sending them out in pregame scrimmages, and they come back, and they're all like, man, I stink at this game. Why do you send me out to cast out demons? I can't, and they've come, and all these things are happening. And so you see this preseason, pre-camp, and then we get to this pregame. All right, so fall camp's over. We get the pregame. In John chapter 15 and 16, don't go there. We don't have time, but just look up here. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to highlight the pregame. This is this particular part of John. Luke does not record. It's really short what he records, but, but you get a little bit bigger picture here in, in John. It says this, but all these things happen, or all these things they will do uh, to you on account of me and my name. Now, what has just happened? He's just had the upper room experience. They just had communion together, Lord's Supper together, and they are now walking uh, uh, to, the, to Gethsemane uh, for prayer, okay? This is the, that, that account. This is the night that he's betrayed, remember? They go to the garden, he's praying, and all of a sudden Judas brings the, the guards and, and all the Roman group down, and they arrest Jesus. Not that he's arrested, but before they get to that point of being arrested, you have this conversation. It's the pregame. It's Jesus as their leader, Jesus as their coach, saying, guys, remember this. You're about to go, and you don't know what's really coming up. We don't know what all plays that they're going to do or how they're going to adjust their defense or how they're going to adjust their offense. We've seen them in game film and those things, but it may be different. But here's what I want to tell you. I tell you all these things that they will do the same thing on your account in my name because they do not know him who sent me. Whoever hates me will hate my father also, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth was his name that he gives him here, who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. And you, these are parts of, of chapter 15 and 16, and it goes, he goes on, and you also will bear witness of me because you have been with me from the beginning. And then verse, chapter 16 says this, I have said these things to you, to keep you from falling away. But I have said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you what's happening. So Jesus gives us talk. Everything that you know from me, everything you know from my life, from our ministry together, I need to remind you because game on is about to happen. They don't know what's about to happen. They don't know he's about to get arrested. He's about to go, go through the Passion Week and get beat and get scourged and, and all these things going to happen. He's going to die on the cross for, for the sins world. They don't know all that's about to happen, but Jesus knows game on is about to be here. And I need to tell my guys one thing before game starts, before game time. Let me remind you, they're going to hate you because they hate me. Why do they hate you? Because the Father sent me, but they don't know the Father. Why do they not know the Father? Because they haven't seen who he is, right? And because all these things know that it's going to be hard, but I tell you these things, why? So you don't fall away, and so that when the hour comes, you will remember. You remember what? Remember the things I've taught you. When you get in the middle of a game, when you get in the middle of the field, in football especially, your coaches are way distant from you. 
you got some hand signs going on. You got cards maybe popped up. You got all these things happening. Especially high school, you don't have in college. You don't have the in-ear stuff that the quarterbacks, those pansy quarterbacks, get in the pros and all this stuff. And, and and you got you got this communication happening from a distance. You have sometimes between plays or between drives and series that you can have some some sideline talk, but not a whole lot of talk. Especially if there's a quick turnover, a change of possession, and you're back on the field, right? But in game time, it's hard. Because you have all these communication, all these moving pieces. Life is happening. Life is crazy. And we need to remember what God wants you and me to understand today is He has given you what you need so that you will remember so that when the devil comes and the world system comes and life hits hard, that you know it's Him as far as the reason why it's coming at you hard. It's Him, but that the name of Jesus is being defamed in our culture and our society. But we need to remember that He is God. And he has sent us a helper, and He has a plan, and He's covered all that with us once before. So spend some time with Him and engage with Him from a distance as it, as it may be and, 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 and pay attention to the signs that the coach holds up. Pay attention to the signals as you read the words. Pay attention to what's going on. And when you have that short time on the sidelines, like your time with God every day or through the week, that you get a little sideline talk with your, with your coach that gives you the ability to what? Keep from falling away so that you will remember. Why is this right here important? So that you can keep from falling away and so that you can remember. Because guess what? If you're like me, you probably don't have all this memorized. <laughs> if you're like me, you probably have forgotten more than you've learned. <laughs> if you're like me, you're probably like, okay, I think that's what it says. And if we don't spend time in here to keep that going and keep learning and keep growing, you will forget and you will fall away. And you won't remember what God's told you. Why is that important? Because if we want to be a committed athlete and not just an audience member on the sideline or, a, or a, 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 just an academic student in the classroom, if we want to make a difference for God in this world, then we're going to be committed to the things that He's led, to the things that He's done, so that we will be strong. And that's the pregame. Game hasn't started yet. Go to the next slide. Go, and this is where we're going to go uh, in, in a few, uh, as, you, as you start reading and as we get through Luke. But Luke 22 through 24 is halftime, or, or, or the fir first half is on. Because Jesus is arrested. We're not going to go through this. Jesus is arrested. And all of a sudden, Peter, what? He steps up and he tries to cut the ear off, or he, he, tries, to, he tries to kill the soldier, and he misses and just cuts his ear off. And Jesus said, no, don't worry about that. we got a different plan. Right? So game zone, chaos is happening in life. You, you may respond rightly. You may not respond rightly. You get in this particular passage in Luke, you'll see Peter denying Jesus three times. Jesus told him that's going to happen. Didn't it say, say what we just read a second ago in John in the upper room? I tell you these things. Let me, re, let me remind you. So what reminded, what reminded Peter that Jesus was right was when the cock crowed, the rooster crowed, and he realized, I've denied him three times. Jesus told me that was going to be the case. Know the plan. Know what Jesus says. Right? You know how to react and you know how to keep going so that you don't fall away and you remember what he's done. You don't fall away and you remember what he's done. So first half is there. The halftime comes. Halftime is when, uh, uh, when we see that uh, if you go back to Acts chapter 1. Let's go back there because we're going to end it right here. 
Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Verse 3 says this. This is halftime. The start of Acts is halftime. It's in the middle of, of, of halftime. And then we got this thing happening where Jesus says, or, or that, that Luke records, is that Jesus presented himself alive, in verse 3, to them after he suffered, after his suffering and many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom. Jesus, after his death, after his burial, and after his resurrection, appeared back to his disciples, appeared back to a lot of different people to prove that he is who he said he is and to encourage them and direct them in different ways. You're going to discover that through Luke, particularly the last chapter of Luke. You're going to see a nice bridge that, that Luke picks back on in chapter 1 of Acts and connects everything, the storyline together, okay? And so as we jump into this, we're going to understand that Jesus appeared during the halftime, and that's where we're going to end, because here's the thing. Halftime leads into what? Second half. Guess what time it is of the game? Second half. You're in the game. I'm in the game, or... We're stuck in the, in the schoolroom trying to be academic. Or we're up in the audience or at the end of the bench wearing the jersey and we're not engaged in the game. We're just watching from a distance. Church, let me ask you. The last question, we're going to skip on down there, Gabby, to the very end. For Act 1, here's my question for today. Are you, this is a personal question you have to determine for you today. Are you willing to take the Act 1 journey as a committed athlete and engage with God's Word, engage with Jesus of the Bible, engage with the Creator that created you and everything that we see, and engage with Him so that you can compete as one to win the prize? That you can go on this journey in a way that you, re you point people and you give all the glory to God. It's not about you. Are you willing to take this committed journey as an athlete with the Lord? And so as we consider that, it may seem like a strange message. Next week we're going to jump in and we'll start going section by section through the book of Acts. And I'll give you a lot more different things with Luke. But Luke, this is something that, that as you read Luke, both his, his gospel and, and the book of Acts and his history, you'll see a man that I hope that maybe we start looking like. Like Paul, when he's in 1 Thessalonians, he said, you guys, if you read that next section of, of that we read earlier, you guys started imitating me. Why? Because I was imitating Jesus. I was imitating God. And that's a good thing. Luke, I think, is much like Paul. We can say we want to be like Luke. He loved people. He had compassion for people. He had attention to detail. He was good at that. He was a person that... that um, that, that cared about what was going on in the world and, and record the, the, the history of the church. He brought all that to life through, through Acts. He, he was one that, that, um, that poured his life into another man. He poured his life into somebody else, Theophilus, so that he would be convinced and committed and certain of the things that Jesus had taught him. He cared enough about the physical needs of people, but he also cared enough to take care of the spiritual needs of people. I pray we can be that type of people. So as we read this together, as we take this act one of the study of the book of Acts together, I pray that we all would engage with the word so that we can engage with the Savior in a, in a way that we would bring glory to the Father. Okay? 
That's my prayer. And I want to encourage you, take this journey as a committed athlete. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would take an encouragement today, take this, this uh, in Bible engagement plan, and Lord, I pray that it would become something that we familiarize ourselves with and not just know it from a distance like a student might, but Lord, that we would take an opportunity just to really uh, get to know you through it. And today may be a little different type of message, but as we get into the book of Acts, Lord, I pray, uh, and as we get into the Psalms this week, and as we get into the Gospel of Luke as well, Lord, I pray that we see you, Jesus, and we're blown away with who you are, that we would marvel at the Messiah, that we would, we would uh, just be, uh, become more and more satisfied with the Savior of the world and not satisfied with the things of, our, of, our, of, the, of, the, of the world, Lord. So start feeding us to be worshipers of you, Jesus. Start feeding us and shaping us to be disciples who desire to make disciple makers, Lord. And Lord, shape us as a group, as a congregation, as a church family for your glory to be made known so that we would be your church. We ask this in your name. Thanks for listening to the Easton Ollie Baptist Church Podcast. Be sure to go to our website, eastonali.church, to find more messages like you just heard and to find out how to be more involved at Easton Ollie. If at any point during this message you made a decision to follow Jesus or you would just like more information about Easton Ollie, email info at eastonali.church. God bless and have a great week.